Hi, this is Bob Hale. I'm excited. For 25 years, you have been coming to Inman Connect. Now, Connect is coming to you. Find out the details at Inman.com. Hi, this is Brad Inman with my Daily Dispatch. I'm very excited today to have Jeremy Sicklick, founder of House Canary. And Jeremy is sitting on some information and data that is so important today. We're all confused and wondering what's going to happen with home values and what's going to happen with buyer behavior and seller behavior. And this company has really mastered a really good grasp and understanding of what goes on in the housing market. Welcome, Jeremy. How are you? Great. How are you, Brad? Thanks for having me. All's well. You're, you're up in an area where I used to live, Marin County, one of the most beautiful places on the planet. We're lucky to be here. It's, uh, you know, it's, we, we, uh, uh, we have very, very low COVID rates and, um, uh, you know, excited to, to get back to things, but uh, it's, it, it's a good place to be quarantined. Yeah. Hey, let's jump into, uh, here in a few minutes, I'm explaining like, where your data comes from and how you do it, because I know you, you all have mastered something that I've always cared a lot about, and I know consumers do as well. Um, one, the core one is, what's the value of my home? Um, how's it doing? Just like we want to know how our stocks are doing. And in fluid changing times, it's really hard to get a grip on and a grasp of it. Um, but in your data, is there a nugget in there, something going on that's interesting to you that um, maybe has sur surprised you or you think is particularly insightful, Jeremy? Yeah, I would say the biggest nugget that we're seeing right now that's a leading indicator of pricing is we're seeing that basically the number of properties going under contract since COVID um, is about 86,000 properties greater than the number of properties being listed. So what you're seeing is um, continuing tightening of supply that actually uh, we saw coming into this which is helping prop up and stabilize housing prices, at least during this, uh, this time of COVID. Let me ask you, I didn't understand that. It's like when someone says negative interest rates, I, don't, I can't get my, my brain around negative interest rates. I can't get my head around what you just said. There's more transactions than supply, did you say? Is that the term you used? What, what is that? Yeah. What I, well, if it's if there's no, I mean, how could it be less? I don't get it. I'm... So coming in, you know, there's there's always a certain number of properties that get listed. Call that supply of properties. Uh, there was about over between March 13th through this past Friday, May 8th. There's been about 393,308 net new listings. So that would be a new listing, net of a removal. Gotcha. So there's been 393,000 new properties in supply available for people to buy. During that same period, 479,000 properties have gone under contract. Gotcha. So that's demand. That's realtors getting a commission or, or set up to get a commission and, and people buying homes during this time. And what you're seeing is demand is outstripping supply 
by about 86,000 properties. So even though we're in a quarantine, there's, there's still things are happening. Wow. And so that also means that we're eating away at whatever supply we had going into this mess, right? And it was already a tight market. Um, is there anything in the data that would indicate that transaction volume would decrease? I mean, you know, we, we, we always talk about these big trends, the economy, unemployment, demand, you know, what might be driving on the demand side that would suggest maybe the housing market will not sail through this, but persevere through this? Is it any, any insight on that? Your thoughts? You know, um, the reality is, is we're seeing less listings and less demand um, than, than we would have. Uh, I think we're, we are still down in terms of the number of properties going under contract now versus pre-COVID. Uh, we're down about 20% uh, still. Uh, even this past week, um, Brad, we saw 61,000 properties go under contract. So that's running on about a 3 million properties annually, if you sort of uh, take that out, which is much lower than we would have seen at this time normally. Yeah. Um, I think the real question is we're seeing stability right now in the real estate market. Um, you know, what we have not seen yet, uh, I don't think, is the impact of, of the unfortunate 33 million job loss, right. the distress that comes with that, as long as tighter mortgage credit, um, and what that ultimately will do to the demand for properties versus the supply available. Yep. When that supply and demand, the, the, that's what drives pricing in real estate. Yeah. How, how looking at the big picture, Jeremy, what are the variables that you think are going to influence this? You mentioned one, the big one, unemployment. I assume rates still make a difference to people. And if it's 20 or 25% down, that's certainly not like if you own a restaurant or if you own an airlines, or if you own about any business in America right now, which has gone from, I read the other day that airlines are running 95% below uh, what they were. Um, as an example, hospitality, hotels, let's you know, go through the list. It's hardly anybody, anything. Uh, so if we get away with 20%, and that you're not talking about home values going down 20% quite yet, you're talking about transactions. What are the other factors that you think maybe prevent that from going lower and what are the factors that could lead us to staying a much more miserable uh, outlook? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, so what are the factors that, uh, you know, first could cause pricing to decline? I think it's largely related to uh, two things. One, uh, employment. Ultimately, people need a paycheck in order to pay for a mortgage. Uh, so um, if we, you know, depending on how 
forbearance works out and how quickly employment comes back, I think that will, will hold some, some keys to how much demand there is to, to buy homes. The second is, is really mortgage credit. While we're in very low interest rates, I think what we've, what we've seen is uh, many of the lenders tighten up their, their underwriting box, meaning higher FICO scores required, tighter underwriting of credits, and which means that potentially less people can buy homes yep. uh, and get approved for a mortgage. So those would be, uh, that, that's really what would uh, cause less um, demand. Now, on the counterbalance, what could cause more demand? More demand will likely come from, we had seen, there was this, there's this large demographic group of millennials. This group of millennials is coming of age and, and as it come of age, uh, there's a big macro trend to buy homes. That's actually going to be a nice counterbalance for us and, and uh, will help support demand. I think the second area that's going to really support demand through this cycle is uh, institutional investors. Uh, in the past, uh, we saw institutional investors and, and real estate investment trusts come in and become a, a, a professional asset class of a, a global financial crisis. Uh, as properties reach price points that make the returns attractive, uh, I think that group, you will see more and more demand to, to buy assets and it should put a floor on the market uh, from my expectations, Let me ask um, you, especially as we see increased need for, for uh, rental. Uh, rentership. Hi, this is Nikki Beauchamp, Global Real Estate Advisor at Engel Volkers in New York City. For 25 years, you've been coming to Inman events to connect. Now Inman is coming to you June 2nd through June 4th. Learn more about connect now at Inman.com. As, gotcha, so people can't afford to buy they rent, but they also, in a bad economy, they double up, which reduces the demand for rental. Um, I recently wrote an essay about the role of private equity in real estate, and historically, when there's a downturn, they enter the picture, but it was always clunky and inefficient for them to enter the market. Now, thanks to iBuying, they have these powerful vehicles, Zillow, Open Door, OfferPad, et cetera, uh, if they decide to gobble up homes, it's going to be a lot easier in the past. They have the eyes and ears and process and systems and low transaction fees potentially to enter that. Is that does that make sense or am I putting too many big picture dots together here? As I, as I was thinking through institutional uh, investors that, that put renters in homes. I was thinking of some of the large REITs. Invitation Homes is an example, Progress Residential as another example, um, who are able to buy homes, renovate them, and then, and then uh, really create an ongoing uh, housing opportunity for long-term rental. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, 
buying homes uh, through an i-buying mechanism, and then uh, basically reselling those. Ultimately, you still need demand on the other side of buyers who can get a mortgage and buy those homes. Yeah. So that's that's there, gonna be the real question. So they're, so, they're somewhat impaired if things don't go right here. Jeremy, let me ask you this. Anyone that has really, and I was really impressed when I, you know, cause back in the day, I started a company called Home Gain, and we were the first ones to take a, a home valuation to the public. It was a, a B2B tool used by lenders, and I found this nerdy guy in Orange County who was providing most of it. And I said, let's slap a consumer face on it. And so I've always been intrigued by the home val engines that have been created. Um, and I always interested, who's using the data? You know, that tells you mounds about, like right now, because you've got an interesting client base, mostly enterprise sales, right, institutions, wanting a better, more exacting information about uh, property values. Who's, who have recently have been contacted you or who are you doing business with at this moment, anything new or different, if there is any, from your past customers? Because I think that tells us a lot about, you know, well, it just tells us something. Any insight there, Jeremy? Yeah, so, um... You know, historically, we worked uh, a lot with Wall Street uh, whole loan buyers. We worked a lot with um, institutional investors uh, and increasingly with lenders. Uh, I would say there's really two groups that uh, where we're seeing, you know, significantly increased demand. One, institutional investors who are looking at how do I have really good information, not only about my current assets, but also about identifying um, when is the right time to deploy capital to buy uh, additional homes and, and be able to, to acquire those. The second are um, through, we've taken our valuation capability uh, and really built it out into um, a, a full customer engagement experience through uh, our come home platform. And so what we're seeing with that is, is significant that a increase. Is that a consumer? That is consumer. That is a consumer portal. But what we're really doing with that, with come home is together with lenders, we are creating an experience where the lender can pre underwrite that consumer for a loan, help them shop for a home. And then once the consumer owns a home or is in their servicing book, can pre-underwrite that consumer homeowner for home equity lines, for refinance, for home improvement to, to better engage and retain them. Hmm. So you're seeing a lot of lenders now focus increasingly on the need for digital, uh, digital engagement more so now than ever. And so those are the two groups where we're seeing, you know, significant uh, increases uh, over the last uh, month and a half. I, Jeremy, often refer to the mortgage and the old holistic real estate experience as the Freddy Krueger of real estate. It's the, it's the most nightmarish thing that you wake up and you face getting a mortgage for the consumer. And... Uh, also, a big core constituency of Inman News is the, the realtor and broker owners, and, and it's also Freddy Krueger from them. And then, ultimately, if I harass the lenders about it and say, when are you going to get rid of Freddy Krueger, they always blame the government. Um, I don't remember who in the story enabled Freddy Krueger, but 
the mortgage lenders. But then lately I've interviewed a lot of people like people at Quicken and Anthony Shea at Loan Depot. And they're saying that a lot of this arcane, ridiculous practices that make it the Freddy Krueger are breaking down. And you just inferred that there's some stuff going on digitally on the mortgage side, which would be a dream for real estate. Tell us more about that. What, what do you think might happen there that we could have something a little more efficient than the way it is now? Uh, so I think it, you know, it is a, a true Freddy Krueger experience and, and uh, where we see this going is really how you create a much better customer experience. And some of those firms that, that you outlined, you know, have, have been working around this for a while. But, but the real improvement in a customer experience is how do you help a consumer, uh, especially for many of the large lenders and many of the large depositories, they already have a lot of information about a consumer. And so first off, how do they help pre-underwrite that consumer and help them understand, here's how much if you were to go buy a home without even the consumer even asking, if you were to, to go buy a home, here's how much uh, loan you might be approved for to be able to go buy a home. Allowing that consumer together with a realtor, uh, you know, it, um, to be able to go identify a home where you're already not only pre-qualified, but pre-approved for a loan. Um, and then we see, um, you know, because of some of the appraisal changes and whatnot, you know, the ability to, to potentially, together with lenders, massively streamline. When you find that home, you, you may not need an appraisal going forward given some of the evaluation guidelines and changes. So you could, uh, right from the doorstep, be able to present a pre-approved offer. You're gonna see some of the largest lenders so out there in the US Get rid of the appraiser. Uh, in some cases, uh, I, I think, uh, especially on pro loans under $400,000, I would expect that we will see less and less appraisals, more and more evaluations um, that still use an inspector and, and they're FIREA compliant, but uh, much more automated uh, products, lower cost. Uh, two to three days turnaround time. I always say, Jeremy, as a borrower, the lender has enough information equivalent to the government having enough information on me to go through the turnstile to get on a plane, authenticating me with biometrics, authenticating me with fingerprints, and my whole history of travel, they somehow think that it's safe enough for me to enter the plane that I'm not a terrorist. Lenders have all of the and more necessary information, not to prevent me from committing a terrorist act in an airplane, but enough information to make sure, my God, that Brad Inman is not gonna walk away from his mortgage. There is a bank to this day that I've done business with for 30 years, Jeremy, that treats me like I'm going through, Homeland going through the Homeland Security with a gun in my suitcase. 
They act like they never, ever knew me, requiring things of me that are absolutely ridiculous, which is what makes it the Freddy Krueger experience. It's intimidating, it's bothersome, it's bureaucratic, it's ridiculous. And then the appraiser who comes in good times and somehow it matches perfectly to my realtor's uh, contract price, and in bad times, because they're squirmish and feel bad about bad appraisals, go in the other direction. I mean, come on. You know, and I said this to Anthony Shea, I say it to everybody. But I hope, I mean, it's all there. The data is all there that I should be able to click a button. I think it's, it's getting there. There's been massive improvement. I just went through a refinance and uh, uh, it required... 30 minutes of my time uh, in order to do it. Um, the reality is, is, you know, when you, when you provide the right approvals, uh, the lender can check on your credit score in an automated way. When you provide the right approvals, the lender can uh, be able to look up your income, your assets, your employment, your tax records without providing anything. That's all available now through point of sale and you know some of the great work that uh, fintechs like like Plot have done. And you know that leaves what is the property worth, the the collateral, and that's really what we're focused on. Um, and you know over the next several years, um, I, I do think things will get you know to where it's much more like provide your information. Uh, it will happen in an increasingly automated way, and then you'll docu-sign it. Uh, and uh, we're seeing also through through this COVID, you know, um, online notarization um, and, and a lot of that change continue to evolve. So I do think COVID's actually driving uh, some of this change because ultimately, if we come back to what we just talked about at the top of the, the conversation, 480,000 properties uh, went under contract since COVID. So it's happening. Yeah. Now the opportunity is how do you make that happen in a more streamlined, efficient way? Yeah, and not to go back to the old ways when COVID's over. Someone said it takes 90 days of a, a new behavior um, in order to change the old behavior. I guess if you quit eating a lot of bad food for 90 days, it gets easier and easier. If you quit booze for 90 days, it gets, you, you want to drink less. And if you go digital on everything, you don't want to go back to, I mean, think about notary, Jeremy. I, I think that probably goes back 400 friggin' years. It, the only reason we do that is tradition, you know? I had a bank, I had a big business transaction and the bank wanted to send a notary to my house. And I said, oh, I get this. This big bank that I've been doing business for 30 years, you're gonna risk Brad Inman's life so you can get a wet signature. Seriously? And that's the only, after arguing with them for three days, that was the only way I could persuade them not, I think that scared them when I said that. Like, you're gonna risk Brad Inman's life so you get a wet signature with a notary. Give me a break. Anyway, hey Jeremy, you're fantastic. Tell me again the the domain for the new, the new consumer portal. I. I I'm sorry, I wasn't aware of it, and I want to make sure our readers know about it. Um, what is it called? Oh, thanks, Brad. It's called comehome.com. I love the name. 
and, and now that we're all home, we're all home. Every, <laughs> we haven't. Absolutely. Left. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you do, you do really good work. And, you know, I, I just pick apart every piece of this inefficient transaction. And I've always felt like the home valuation done right and more and more sophisticated can provide a lot of value. So I hope you'll come back to this show, but also continue to participate in Inman like you do, because we're really grateful. You, you really add a lot of value. And I'll get the, um, the word out on your, on your domain. Um, so thank you, Jeremy, for being. Any last words to the Inman community? No, Brad, thanks for having me. We're here to help. We're here to support everybody as, uh, as we go through um, these unprecedented times of change and, and we're here to support. So please reach out and let us know how we can be helpful. And uh, for people that are looking for, you know, the latest information, we provided uh, the latest market pulse every week uh, for free um, uh, to the community. Super. Well, thank you very much, Jeremy. And this is Brad Inman checking out.